There's a chance for Mule and Burns. They score! And the Mules score! Scores! Three in a row for the Mules! Duke has to put it up at the buzzer! It's good! And the Mules win it! Coming to you from Allentown, Pennsylvania, welcome to the Mule and Mules podcast. Each episode, we'll talk to the coaches, staff, athletes, and alumni who make up the Muhlenberg Athletics family and are proud to call themselves Mules. And our guest this week is Katie Matan. Katie played four years of basketball at Muhlenberg College, graduating in 2014, before spending five years as an assistant coach with the Mules, helping the Mules to three straight Centennial Conference championships. She was an assistant at Amherst College last winter and has now returned home to the Lehigh Valley where she is an assistant coach for the Bethlehem Catholic High School boys basketball team. Welcome, Katie. Welcome to the Muhlenberg Mules podcast. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. I love being able to do what I can to return favors to the alma mater and the place that is so near and dear to my heart for forever. So thanks for having me. Yeah, so you're the boys assistant basketball coach at at Bethlehem Catholic. You're believed to be the first female assistant on any Lehigh Valley boys basketball staff. So congratulations on that. And your your tenure is beginning in in true 2020 fashion with with the COVID shutdown that you're going through right now. Yeah, absolutely. I've said to so many people, it's, it's just so interesting to see just the kind of things that have unfolded since all of this has happened. Never in a million years would you have thought, you know, something like this would occur. But I say I wouldn't be here and in the position that I am without something like a national pandemic happening. So (laughs) it's definitely been a a roller coaster ride. So I've been eager to to get started and trying to find a groove. But we'll, we'll see when that happens. We, yes, everybody is just just playing the waiting games. Uh, Bethlehem Catholic started practice on November 21st, just before Thanksgiving. You got about a, a week of practice in before you had to had to shut things down. I know I know you're hoping on returning and starting the season. You know, returning to practice in the next few days and, and starting the season in a couple of weeks. How, how was everything going uh, in, in the short time you had before you got shut down? You know, obviously uh, a new experience for the guys on the team having a, having a female coach uh, there. How, how was everything going? Yeah, so I, um, it was nice because Scott invited me pretty early on to some individual small group workouts. So I was able to meet some of the guys prior to really getting the season started. And it was a very, very smooth transition. I think Scott has done a really good job of building a phenomenal culture at Bethlehem Catholic in the boys basketball program. So me coming in as a female, it really didn't cause much upheaval or questioning when I came into the gym. It was more so of, you know, she's our coach now. I give the guys all the kudos in the world because them accepting me one and, and really welcome me in to a, to a new situation and them, you know, being put into a new situation was a really, really smooth transition. And the respect that they have shown me has been out of this world. I wouldn't have asked for a smoother transition on any end. I think their willingness to be coached and their willingness to just learn the game and understand, you know, skills, it doesn't matter if it's coming from a male or a female. So just, I think having a new voice, having a new perspective come in and helping them with that was, was really uh, something that they were looking forward to too. Yeah. And of course, Scott, that you mentioned is Scott McClary, a Muhlenberg alumnus and, and former head men's basketball coach at, at Muhlenberg, now the head 
boys coach at, at Bethlehem Catholic. Just take us through how this whole thing e- evolved, how Scott came to ask you to be his assistant there at, at Bethlehem Catholic. I, I know there's another Muhlenberg connection there. So I actually... In March, I had previously been up at Amherst College up in Massachusetts coaching on the with the women's program. So come March when, you know, COVID hit and our season was cut short up there, I had returned home from just the standpoint of we weren't really sure timing wise what it was going to look like in terms of going back to work and being able to do anything. So my head coach up there had basically said, you know, Katie, go home until we figure all this out. And it really allowed me to take a step back and take a look at kind of my career path and really asking myself what it is that I wanted. So I I came to the realization that maybe the college basketball route wasn't something that I wanted to continue doing. So I had actually talked with Scott. Scott works with my mom at the Swain School. So you know, the connection there has, has been a, a Matan family thing with the McClary's for a while, but we had gotten together with the McClary's and I had talked with Scott and was like, Hey, like, here's my situation. And I knew at that point, having talked with Nigel Long, who was one of Scott's assistant prior is now the head coach at Liberty high school for the boys that he was in the running for that job position. And Scott had said, I have a really good feeling Nigel's going to get this job. So I'm going to have an opening on staff. He goes, no, keep me updated in terms of what you decide. If you're going to come back here, if you're not. And once I had, you know, finalized the decision of of coming back to Lehigh Valley for good and and finding a full-time job, he's like, you trying to hop on board? And I was like, absolutely, let's do this. And that was that, huh? That was that. (laughs) Real easy. I think just having known Scott for a really long time, not only just from the basketball side of things, but the relationship that our families have, it's something I've worked with him with, you know, his camp for forever and having seen him coach on the college level, seen him coach, you know, the camps and stuff. And it was just for me, I didn't bat an eye at it because he is so good at what he does that I was like, you know, this just allows me to, to branch out and really learn from one of the best. Last year, I believe it was his first year at Bethlehem Catholic last year. No, so yeah. actually this is his third, this is his third, third season. So last okay. year, last year was number two. So well, last year they went twenty-three and nine and made the district final and played in the state tournament. So definitely a good program for you to join. And th- there was some some coverage of that recently about you being the the first female assistant. And when I messaged you about it, you said, uh, I wish I wasn't. This type of thing should be normal. You're wearing a shirt right now that says women ball too. I, I guess you should wear a shirt that says women coach too, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, there's this glass sideline for women, right? With coaching. For all of the bad things that 2020 has brought us, there actually have been some significant strides made by by women. You know, we had the first female coach in the Super Bowl, Katie Sowers, who's an offensive assistant with the 49ers. We had the first female GM in Major League Baseball, Kim Ang with the Marlins, the first woman to play football at a Power Five school. That happened just a couple of weeks ago, Sarah Fuller at Vanderbilt, and not related to sports, of course, elected our first female vice president. I, I don't know where that ranks in relation to your first, but uh, <laughs> in, in terms of importance, you know, and, and obviously, we since we're talking basketball, um, you know, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the role of the WNBA this year in, in taking the leadership role in, in, in fighting for social justice. And actually, if you want to go way back to 2019, when people could still hug each other and, and back in those days, Muhlenberg hosted the ECAC tournament and, and NYU's men's team was coached by a female, Kim Wyant. 
the only female head coach of an NCAA men's team. So, so it seems like there has been some progress with women in, in, in this regard, but what do you think it will take for it to truly take hold? And so, so you're, you're, you're not such a novelty when, you know, when you start coaching. I think, I think it's going to take instances like this. I don't want to say, unfortunately, but I think the more people start to see news lines or, you know, interviews and such, you know, seeing that there's some very, very talented and smart females out there, regardless, you know, of position. You know, I've always been a huge proponent of, you know, you're going to hire who's, who's best for the job, whether that's male, whether that's female. But I think there's that, that condescending type of outlook that, you know, males have coached females for years, years on end, and no one ever bats an eye to it. So, you know, you wonder what, what is it that a male coaching a female and how that's different than a female coaching a male? So as much as I'd like this to be the norm, I think situations like this need to continue happen to get to that point. I think job seekers that are females need to go and apply for those jobs that that usually are held by their male counterpart. At the end of the day, like people should be looking at resumes and such, regardless of, of gender. It should be, you know, let's take a look whose resume is the best. But I think, again, from, from coaching and, and sports, I think women's and men's basketball is very, very similar. There's different, you know, aspects to it. But at the end of the day, basketball is basketball. You know, I think putting a female in the position of, of being a coach, like it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be about the fact that she's a female. But I think in order for this to become the norm, things like this need to happen more often, you know being able to put things like this in the newspaper, being able to see these on national televised stations like ESPN and SportsCenter in order for that, you know, for, for people who are out there who are interested in those things, but maybe not willing to step out of their comfort zone and look into stuff like that and being able to say like, hey, that's what I want to do. I can do that because she did it. She did it and get that, you know, that ball rolling. So I think, unfortunately, fortunately, you know, recognition like this just needs to become consistent and people out there need to be able to see like, Hey, like this can happen. And I think that's my big thing is this isn't for, you know, to be able to do podcasts, to be able to have my name in the newspaper. Like that's not what it's about at all. Like, and I think, going back to Scott, like he did such a good job with our team, basically saying like, Hey, like internally, this isn't a big deal. Like Katie's a basketball coach. Like she is your coach. Externally, it's going to be a big deal because it's just doesn't happen. And that's the type of world that we live in. But I do this because I have a love for the game. And, and Scott presented me with an opportunity that I felt like I couldn't turn down and I wanted to pursue. So I think just being able to be someone who little girls, girls my age, other females, just being able to see like, hey, like Katie did this, like I can go and do it too. And I think it also has to help, you know, the guys that you coach now at, at Bethlehem Catholic, to them, they can go tell other people or later their children that, hey, I would, you know, I was, I was coached by a, by a female and, and she was a great coach. And that'll help spread the word as well. Absolutely. Since you've been in high school, you've had three very 
incredibly successful coaches that you've been around. You played for a female in high school, the uh, late great Patty Hefner. You played and coached under Ron Rohn at Muhlenberg, and then you were an assistant to G.P. Gromacki at Amherst this past year. So if it's not gender, what, what makes a good basketball coach? And, and, and what are some of the things that you've learned from the people that you've been around that, that you hope to bring to, to your position? Yeah, so I think between Ron and between GP, I think those are two of the smartest X's and O's coaches in the country. I mean, I think their resume obviously speaks for themselves. And learning the X's and O's things for me was my Achilles heel, I guess you could say, as a coach and being able to just like the two of them could come up with things out of thin air that I'm just like, where the heck did you come up with that from? Um, just from a play standpoint. And I think, you know, being an assistant in the college world is, is something that not a lot of people realize, like how much work actually goes into it. And I think a big, big component of being a successful assistant coach is being able to build relationships with your players. Because at the end of the day, like if they have, you know, something that they don't necessarily want to go the head coach to, they don't necessarily feel comfortable, you know, sharing with your head coach, like you become that middleman and you build a different type of relationship with your players than the players build with the head coach. So I put on my early on, you know, coaching with Ron at Muhlenberg, like made it very apparent in not only myself, but the players that we were coaching, like I'm going to be that person like, hey, like if you have, you know, personal issues that you're dealing with, if you have questions in regards to basketball, like I'm going to be that person. I'm, you know, I feel like I'm a very personable person, very easy to come to. So being able to counterbalance with with Ron and GP was one of those things that I think made our, our programs and our staff so successful because we balanced each other out. I learned so much from the two of them, though, from an X's and O's standpoint that it's just to this day, I look at it and I'm like, I still don't understand sometimes how they come up with these things, but they've been it for forever. So they know the deal. But, you know, I look at people like Patty. She is the only female coach I have ever had in my life, which is really hard to believe. But she is was such a strong minded and knowledgeable, confident female person in my life and coach that she really kind of set the stepping stones for me, knowing that that was something that I could be one day. And I'm really, really good friends with her daughter, Amy. Amy actually just had her first, her first child a couple of weeks ago. So special shout out to her. But, you know, Amy is such a strong-willed female as well. Like just, it was something that was innate in Patty that you couldn't help but after going through the Parkland girls basketball program, like, if you didn't come out of there being like, hey, like I can accomplish absolutely anything I put my mind to, Patty did her job. (laughs) Patty did her job. And again, she was so accomplished from a wins and losses standpoint and her record shows it tremendously. I mean, they won a state championship uh, in 2006 and really kind of were the, the elite of the Lehigh Valley for such a long time. But I look back on Patty and the impact she had on my life personally has just made leaps and bounds to where I am today. And I can't, you know, thank her enough. And I tell Amy all the time, your, your mom was a special, special human being. And she absolutely, there, there's some things in some days where I'm talking to Amy and I'm like, Amy, that was your mom. (laughs) So I'm really thankful and grateful that I have continued the friendship with Amy because I think 
again, like she has just so many traits that her that are her mom. And she is a huge, huge reason why why I am where I am today, for sure. Yeah. And you know, while you were at Muhlenberg, you you had some other first too. we don't keep official records on this, but probably the first female to do PA at a Muhlenberg football game. You're also the first female coach on our podcast. We, we just started this uh, recently. So so that's thing. And, and you're also part of the first father and daughter team to be, to be on our podcast. It's uh, your dad's uh, touchdown. Muhlenberg call is in our intro. Speaking of football, would you want to coach the Eagles one day? Oh, boy. That's, that's, that's a loaded question right now. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, then let's stick to basketball. And, and we mentioned that you were at Amherst this past year. Amherst finishing with a record of 24 and four, ranked fourth in the final Division Three poll and kind of right in the middle of when the world kind of changed for everyone. So Amherst hosting the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament, that was the first weekend in March, and did not permit fans to attend those games. And I believe at the time, what, Tufts and Bowdoin and were the only other schools that, that did not. And, and the rest of the schools hosting that weekend did allow fans. And then, of course, the following weekend, uh, scheduled to host the Sweet 16 again uh, with no fans. And then I believe it was the day before that that the NCAA announced the cancellation of the championships. Just talk about that. I mean, what a what, what a whirlwind. I mean, actually, that's another uh, trend that uh, an unfortunate trend that you were part of, you know, a, a first, you know, now we're used to basketball being played in front of uh, empty arenas. And, and unfortunately, you were you were among the first to experience that too. But just, just talk about like, what a what a weird time that was those first two weekends in March. It was definitely a whirlwind. You know, when we, when NCAAs had first started, this was kind of, you know, all coming to fruition, you know, things about COVID and the possibility of really what, what is the world dealing with right now? And I still remember we were getting ready to host the first two rounds. It must've been Thursday because we played Friday, Saturday. And each host site has their NCAA rep. And our NCAA rep was the coach from Coast Guard. And I remember coming downstairs and going into our locker room to to hang something up on the whiteboard for, for the team to see. And I came out and I saw her and she's like, have you guys heard? I was like, have we heard what? You know, you guys aren't having fans for this weekend. I was like, huh? <laughs> it's like, and I said, I was like, is that an NCAA thing? Like, she's like, no, your your president is is putting the sanction down. Like, you guys aren't allowed to have fans this weekend. I was like, well, this is interesting. So it, it started and kind of started to unravel. Like GP had found out, and you know, we were talking with our AD, and just they were like, we're just from a safety precaution, like this is what we're gonna do. This is the way that it's gonna happen. And I still remember, you know, pulling up the D3 Hoops website in the front of our gym was like the cover page because, you know, I think us on the women's side was first. And then I think Hopkins men were the first on the men's side. So like it was, you know, front page of D3 Hoops and our women were calling their families being like, hey, like you can't come to the game. And Amherst obviously is a nationally renowned institution. Like we don't just have families coming from, you know, South Hadley, Massachusetts, 20 minutes down the road, we have people coming from PA, people coming from New York, people wanting to fly in from California, like it was this big ordeal. And I still remember the kickback from the other teams that that had come because they're like, 
the situation for them was just a little more out of sync because obviously they all traveled to us. Families had already been there getting ready to come to the games on Friday. So it was just, it was crazy. But I will tell you that Friday night with no fans was the strangest thing I have ever (laughs) been a part of. But I gave our women and our team did such a good job of like making it their own. When we played the second round on Saturday, it was like our gym was packed. Like they did such a good job from a bench perspective, you know, getting everyone hyped up like it was great. Do you have any cardboard cutouts? No, not at that point. That that <laughs> would have been nice. That would have been nice. But so our AD, um, Don Falstick at, at that time was like, here's what we're going to do. Like, I'm going to call the NCAA. I'm going to be like, hey, we're not going to host next weekend. We want to be able to give the teams an experience that they deserve being a part of the NCAA tournament. Because, you know, it's a huge deal. Like that experience and having packed gyms is like something that you can never explain unless you're there. And he's like, I'm going to call the NCAA. Like, we'll tra- and GP and I are like, yeah, we'll travel. Like, we'll do whatever. Doesn't matter. So come Sunday night, I still remember GP called me. He goes, Katie, we're hosting this weekend. I was like, did we not talk about this? Like, <laughs> did we not say we didn't want this to happen? And then Soleil basically was like, you guys deserve this. Like, you're the top seed left on this side of the bracket. Like, you're going to host. Like, okay. So that Monday, when we have like our big conference call with all the teams in the NCAA, to this day, that phone call was like, whew. <laughs> we had Christopher Newport, we had George Fox, and we had Mary Harden Baylor. So Mary Harden Baylor's in Texas, Christopher Newport's in Virginia, and George Fox is in Oregon. So you have three teams literally coming from every angle of the country. And they were just like, you know, why are we doing this? Why can't one of us host? Everyone's flying regardless. And, you know, that was one thing at the time is like, do we really want to put teams on transportation and send them across the country to places that, you know, we really don't know what's going on from a COVID perspective. I mean, there was really no answers at that point, but they were like, what There still aren't. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I was like, I really don't know what we do anyway in this situation today, but you know, it was just an upheaval and everyone was just like, why, what are you guys hiding from us? Why aren't you allowing people in the gym, but you're allowing people from different States like us to come into your gym and blah. And I was like, I, get it. Yeah. <laughs> and the NCAA was just like, we're following our rules. You know, Amherst deserves the host. So with everyone being so far, those three teams came in Wednesday night. Everyone besides us come Thursday, I think it was Wednesday night where um, Rudy Gobert in the NBA had tested positive. And I was like, ooh, not going to go over well. So I remember coming into work next day and GP and I were like, all basketball, like X's and O's, game plans, everything out the door, because we literally were both on our phones all day being like, all right, who's next? You know, people are starting to call their conference tournaments, all of that stuff. And we both said, as soon as Duke decided that they were not going to be playing in the NCAA tournament, whether they were having it or not, we're like, that's it. There's no way that we're, we're going through this. Mary Harden Baylor, Christopher Newport had their practices Thursday George Fox was in the middle of their practice when Karen Harvey, who coaches at Montclair State, was our NCAA rep for that weekend. She came in. She goes, we're done. It's over. And it just like it literally hits you like a bunch of bricks because the first thing that comes into your mind as a coach is how do you go and tell your players that their season is done? It's done. 
And at that point, it just didn't seem like there was a rhyme or reason to it because it was just so fresh and so brand new. It's like, what the heck's this COVID-19 thing? And like, let's just freaking play a basketball game. And I going in the locker room that night and telling our team, like, it was just, I mean, I get goosebumps right now thinking about it. You know, people like Hannah Fox, people like a Maddie Eck, literally top notch basketball players in their, their careers in the country, telling them that their season senior year is done. You're done basketball for the rest of your life. It was literally one of the hardest things I've ever been a part of, but (laughs) I look back on it now and it 100% was the right choice because I look at it now and think about, you know, Kate Sullivan, who's a senior this year for, for Amherst and just like, she's not getting her senior season at all. It's just such a tough situation. And, and, you know, the whole no fans thing is, is funny to laugh out now and just being a part of it and knowing what it was like. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's just so crazy though, to see how much has really changed in, First of all, I can't believe that was nine months ago, <laughs> but like where we're at now and like just to see the severity of the situation, it absolutely was the best choice. It's not a choice I like that we had to make, but again, I, I look at it as if I would not be sitting here right now if it hadn't happened, you know? So it was definitely a experience that I will remember for the rest of my life. <laughs> well, when you, when you write your autobiography, Katie, that's... Uh... <laughs> That, 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 that sounds like you have a good chapter right there of, uh, of, of what those days, days were like, right? Just one more thing while we have you uh, here. You've been involved with the Muhlenberg softball team for the past few months. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I'm considered now since the newspaper article came out about me coaching at Bethlehem Catholic, everyone's like, how many jobs do you have? I was like, I guess I am the, the lady who has 500 jobs. <laughs> but um, I, since 2017, have been with a little hiatus being up in Massachusetts last year. I have been a bar three instructor, which bar three I like to describe to people who don't really, they're like, what the heck's bar three? It's... <laughs> The little mix of yoga and Pilates with some strength and conditioning in there and just, you know, some mindfulness and that yoga-esque breath work type of thing. But I had been going, the Allentown studio has been open since 2015, I do believe. Hopefully my owner's not going to watch this because I can't quote myself on that. But I had a family friend who was like, you know, I go to this bar three studio it's right across from Dorney Park. She's like, come with me, try a class one time. I was like, great, I'll do it. Took class for probably about a year and a half and they had been looking to hire instructors. I was like, let's let's just see what this is about. We'll go try it out. Lo and behold, here I am. <laughs> I am a bar three instructor going on a little over three years of teaching. And when everyone, not everyone, when the select people that my father told I was going back to the Lehigh Valley, Sarah Leavenworth was one of those people that she had been trying out bar three. We had started doing a live stream class for when everything was shut down, just for a way to allow Brittany, our studio owner, to obviously keep her doors open and really give people who who wanted that workout still to be able to have the opportunity to still do it, you know, being safe at home. So Sarah had reached out and she's like, is there any way, you know, with when the Centennial decided like, hey, we're not doing much with seasons, like here's kind of the rules, here's what you can do, here's what you can't. Sarah's like, how would you feel about, you know, could you teach the softball team a bar three class? I was like, let me check with my owner and see what we can do. 
So I started probably, probably in October, I think somewhere around there, but was doing once a week doing a live stream class with, with the softball team. I would, you know, be in the studio, the team would be, you know, freshmen would be on campus. They'd be doing in their dorm rooms. Anyone who was off campus and at home would join in from, you know, maybe their basements at home, wherever. But it honestly, it made me so happy to be able to share two of my favorite places really coming together. And just hearing back from Sarah after that first class, how much the team loved it. I always said, you know, when I was coaching, at Muhlenberg and I was like this would be a really good cross trainer because it, it's a really hard workout <laughs> like it's a lot harder than people think it is and I always tell people that and love asking them after their first class how they feel and they're like yeah you're right it was hard <laughs> because it, it really tunes into muscles that you don't really know you have and it's such a great core workout there's really good cardio to it like it's just a well-rounded 60 minute workout so I actually, I think this Wednesday will be the, the last time that we'll be, we'll be doing class for the semester. But it's something that I know Brittany, our studio owner, has really appreciated because Sarah is just like, let's do this. She's like, tell me, you know, what I owe. Let's do this. I just need something for, these, for this team to do. Um, and it, it's really been a really fun experience. I know for me especially, but I know, I know the team has really enjoyed it. Yeah, and a chance for you to still be a part of the Muhlenberg family, even though you're exactly, you're exactly, of, uh, you're now at Bethlehem Catholic. Yeah. So we're, we're talking with Katie Matan, the first female coach believed to be at, with the boys basketball program in the Lehigh Valley. And we like to end all of our podcasts with some getting to know you type questions. So I, I hope you thought up some good answers for these. Uh, first one, Katie, what is, your, what is your favorite quote? My favorite quote is I'm going to give a shout out to, to my, one of my favorite people ever, our, our good old friend, Coach Donnelly. It is his words is find a way to win. And I think because I just think not only because it's coming from such a wonderful human being who I miss so much, and I know the entire Muhlenberg community does too, but I think it just, it really applies just to life in general. And I think it's just something that right now, especially like there are just so many ups and downs in life right now, I think for all of us. And at the end of the day, like we're not all going to have, you know, perfect days and whatever, whatever you can, you know, be able to get out of bed right now and be able to stand on two feet. Like that's a win in my eyes. And I think, you know, that quote and just finding a way to win, like it's so personable and how you take it you know, in that moment, in that hour, in that day, like it's a big deal. So big shout out to Duke, miss him and love him. But that would absolutely be my favorite quote. Well, that's a good quote. And I, I know you're not the only Muhlenberg person who, who takes that quote to heart. Uh, what, what is something about you, Katie, that people would be surprised to learn? So it's really funny because I actually spent a lot of time asking other people this question because I'm like, <laughs> I, I really, I don't know. So my brother, Alex and I came up with uh, I was six and a half weeks premature. I was supposed to be born on my mother's birthday, but we all laugh all the time because I was six and a half weeks premature, but I was still six pounds. And you obviously know I'm a very tall person. So I tell my mom, you're welcome a lot because I'm like, Clearly, I just wanted to make my own entrance into the world. But, uh, you know, being six and a half weeks premature and now six feet tall is, I feel like, very interesting. So, uh, 
I, I think you're right. I, I think probably most <laughs> people don't know that. Uh, what's your favorite movie? Oh, that's such a tough one. That's such a tough one. As cliche as this is going to sound, Love and Basketball is definitely my favorite movie. That, that does sound cliche. <laughs> I told Alex, I was like, I, I don't want to sound cliche, but I literally cannot pick another one right now. You could have gone with Space Jam or a different. You're right. I could have. You could have. I am. I will say I am a big Hamilton fan, but that's, I guess, technically not a movie, but it is on Disney Plus. So. And and there's no basketball in it. I believe basketball had not been been invented at that point. (laughs) That is true. That is that is certainly less cliche than love and basketball. Yes. (laughs) And, And finally, Katie, if you could sit down for a meal with any person living or past, who would it be? Um, so I actually picked two people, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but I didn't follow your rules, but I said, um, both my grandfathers, you know, both my mom's, my mom's dad, which, um, his name was Guy because I could not say grandfather when I was younger. So that's what came out of my mouth and it stuck for all, all of his grandchildren. And then my grandpa, my dad's dad, just because they were just huge, huge proponents in the success of their grandchildren. And I think to be able to sit down and tell them just the support that they had for not only me, but all of us as grandchildren and for them to kind of see where all of us are are at in life right now would be, it would truly be really special. You know, we're getting a lot of people answer that question with, with family members, which I guess is, I guess it's sad on the one hand, but it's also sweet on the other hand. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Katie Matan, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Good luck to your uh, Bethlehem Catholic uh, boys basketball season. I hope you have a, a great season, both in, in managing the season and, and the, the bumps in the road that are, that are bound to happen, including the one you're going through right now. Um, and also, once you get on the court with, uh, with winning some games and, and, and maybe opening the door for, uh, for some future uh, female coaches in the Lehigh Valley. Thanks so much for having me. This was awesome, and I appreciate it very much. Thank you. The Muhlenberg Mules podcast is a production of the Muhlenberg Office of Athletic Communications with Joe Widener, Zoe Keim, and Marty the Mule. If you have any questions or comments, please send us an email at mulespodcast at muhlenberg.edu or call our pod line at 484-664-4001 and leave a message. We will answer questions in future episodes. The Muhlenberg Mules podcast is available on Apple and Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review us and recommend us to your friends. For the latest in Muhlenberg College Athletics, please follow us on social media at M-U-H-L underscore S-P-O-R-T-S. Until next week, Go Mules! Mules.